Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Welcome to podcast, I say. <laughs> Was Yoda? Was it? <laughs> Previously on Booze and Buffy. High five, trap. Oh my god. <laughs> Drink. With Jenny, a silent auditor, Buffy fills Giles in about her nightmare and her feels for Angel. <laughs> What, 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 why was that necessary, that comment about Jenny? Like, <laughs> the Buffy Wiki is such a weird place to be sometimes. She she had, like, Irish heritage, and so she was very into, like, clottering, so I ended up buying one of my own. I posted a picture of it on Facebook, and it was really funny because, like, I kept saying, like, when I bought the clottering, like, oh, cool, it'd be, like, just like Buffy and Angel. And she's like, um, you know it's a big Irish thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, sure, but, like, also Buffy and Angel... Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, and spoiler free. I'm Harrison, and I am Willow's entire sense of devastation after catching the man she loves making out with another woman. And I'm Jason. I thought I was ready for this episode, but turns out I wasn't. Yeah. But Harrison, just to clarify, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Season 2, Episode 14, Innocence. Uh, This is the one where... um, Well, this is not the one where Angel and Buffy fuck. They they did that. Uh, But Angel loses his soul. Ginny... Oh no, we learned that last week too. Did a terrible job. Ginny loses her uncle. Yeah, Ginny loses her uncle. Giles loses his girlfriend. Um, uh, Willow loses Xander and gains an Oz, and Cordelia gets her outfit gets called trashy, and it is not. Um, Cordelia uh, and uh, oh, and uh, Drusilla loses her mind again. Again, <laughs> uh, and the judge loses his body. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Innocence was written and directed by none other than Joss Whedon and originally aired on January 20th, 1998. Excellent. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking the uh, same wine that I drank in my first episode as your co-host, L'Authentique, the Red Table Wine. (laughs) Made of the freshest red tables. Very good. I'm drinking an Angry Orchard uh, Rosé Cider. Um, Fancy. It's very sweet. Just like me. Wow, a sweet cider. <laughs> Not a fan. Uh, I've just never been like a cider fan in general. Like They've always come across as really sweet. So That's fair. Here's like, oh, let's make it even sweeter. Yeah, this is very, very sweet. Um, but I like it. Um... Made with rare French red flesh apples. Oh my. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, I believe I did the toast last week. Oh, I get the innocence toast? Yeah, wow. I get, yeah you're getting it. Okay. Um, here is to the men we love and the, uh, the way they love us. If the men don't love us, fuck the men and here's to us. Aw. I uh, stole that from my trivia MC. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we actually were going to have you on these episodes regardless of Prize and Innocence. Oh. Um, so, so it's nice that you're here. 
Happy to be here. Um, so before we get into the episode, I want to clarify something. Uh, so our friend uh, Aaron uh, confronted me the other day. <laughs> uh, she was like, you know, I was listening to an episode... That, that impression of Aaron sounded kind of bitchy. She's not. <laughs> One of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Um, but she was like, I contest that you're spoiler-free because it seemed very spoilery to me. And I was like, well, we're going to spoil the episode we're talking about, but not future episodes. Yeah, we kind of have to discuss what happens in the episode yeah. to talk about it. So just for clarity's sake, if y'all have been listening and going, these bitches are lying. Uh, this is not like Dude, a... they're like, they spoil the whole episode! <laughs> um, but I am gonna spoil Star Wars in this, starting now. No, I won't. <laughs> um, let's just get started with Innocence. By the way, oh. if you if you uh, all are shook right now, we understand. This is, a, this is a rough episode, and not like a... Not a bad eggs kind of rough. Mm-hmm. This is a... Uh, this is a rough, like, really hurts your heart episode. Yeah. This but we're is, here for you. This is the the roughness that I like. This is like a hurt me daddy sort of episode. Wow, wow, wow. You know what I mean, <laughs> and I don't see how you couldn't know what I mean. um, It's the episode that daddy likes. <laughs> am I daddy? Can I be this podcast daddy? No, I'm daddy. Haven't we established that already? Are you? Did we? Daddy likes it. Ew. There you go. (laughs) Okay. I have officially claimed daddy. (laughs) Go for it. I've had it, buddy. All right. Oh, we're going to edit that out, aren't we? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, So we start the episode at the factory. Spike and Drusilla are waiting for the judge. He's kind of gathering his strength. But that looks a lot like sitting on his ass. Yeah. Spike is not happy. And, um, Drusilla's, like, <laughs> twitting around, like, <laughs> what would you call how Drusilla moves? It's like a twirling sort of dance with her arms, She's twancing. Like, in the in the wind. She is twancing right um, now. Yeah, so she's, um, she gets a vision, and then she's very excited. She's like, yeah. And yet another, uh, yet another, like, uh indication of just how connected these vampires are Mm -hmm. we cut to where we left him in the last episode fully dressed in an alley Um, in the rain it's uh but it's not raining anymore um we're in like the post rain so (laughs) how long has angel been in this alley screaming buffy's name unclear long enough for buffy to wake up yeah there's a there's a woman in the alley. the alley. It's not confirmed that she's a sex worker, but it seems likely. Um, she she's not she's not gonna be somebody that people miss. She she, she is the sacrificial lamb for the rest of this storyline. Pretty much. Uh, the first anyway. Um, she goes to help him and then he just kind of jumps up and he's like, I'm fine. The pain is gone. The pain is gone. And as Kill. as this woman is taking a big puff of her cigarette, Angel turns around, vamped out face, then like just drinks the shit out of her blood. Yeah. And then in a super cool way, blows out some smoke too. <laughs> so 
I, I do really like that one of the way they, they do a lot of things. It's like, look, at, look how Angel's evil. And one of the ways to show that is that he smokes now. But he doesn't just smoke cigarettes. He smokes dead woman. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so your, uh, your guide to knowing whether Angel is evil or not is, one, is he smoking? Two, is he wearing leather pants? And three, is he trying to kill innocent people? And four, is he smiling and not brooding? Oh, yeah. Um, Angel just laughed. Everyone get your steak. <laughs> steak up, people. So then we, uh, Buffy, um, or then we cut to credits, right? Buffy uh, wakes, I believe so. Bu- yeah, Buffy's still asleep. Mm-hmm. It's after, She wakes up post-credits. Um, and post-coitus. And post-coitus. And she uh, gets dressed, she leaves, she's kind of panicking because he's not there. And, um, God... So the remember, guys, that this is Buffy just lost her virginity. It's mm-hmm. it's it was her first time, and uh, she wakes up. And honestly, she had been through a traumatizing night already, yeah. like almost dying several times, and rough night for her. And then you wake up after what was kind of meant to be like up to that point, the culmination of the relationship with the man that you love, and then you wake up and he's not there. It's not good. No, I mean, Buffy is visibly shook yeah. for the entire episode, and props, all the props to our girl, Sarah Michelle Geller, because she is at the top of her game in this episode. Yeah, she, this is one of her best performances across the entire series. Um, I think this arc provides her with just a lot of meat to really dig into. Um, I was listening to the uh, the audio commentary for this episode earlier today, and Joss Whedon spends a lot of time just, like, singing her praises. Um, and um, and really, I mean, he, he talks about the, like, the whole cast. Um, it's actually really sweet. At the beginning of the episode, he's talking while they're in the scene in the library. He's just like, I'm really blessed to have been given one of the best casts of my career uh, and it's funny because he was saying he's like I'll probably never have a cast this good again and, and the like, sad thing is like we kind of know that he <laughs> that's not true yeah um, I, was like, I was like oh but you're gonna be actually really lucky to have some incredible people work for you um, and we're lucky to have had those incredible people work for him mm-hmm. um, have you it's going slightly off topic um have you seen the casting for um, The Nevers, the show he's doing for HBO about, like, Victorian women with superpowers? No, I only know of the premise. Um, so I'm not going... It, it's a very large cast, um, and there's a lot of people I'm not familiar with, but one of the standouts that I do remember seeing and I was really excited about is Olivia Williams, who was... Um, uh, she played Adele on Dollhouse. Oh, she was fantastic. She was fantastic, so I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, it, I, I think just... Like, I remember that the that article came out that was like Joss Whedon's developing a show for HBO about Victorian women with superpowers, and I was like, "Well, you've just checked off a lot of my boxes." I am really interested <laughs> in seeing what Joss Whedon will do with the freedom of HBO. Yeah, I am. There's a part of me that's like really excited, but there's also a part of me that's like, "Is he going to be able to like keep himself reined in?" We'll see. Who knows? Um. But back to the episode, uh, Buffy goes home and meets her mom. Her mom asks, oh, how are things over at Willow? And 
at Willow's, and Buffy's like, oh yeah, you know Willow, she's a fun machine. <laughs> I don't know why that line sticks out to me, but like, I guess like, how how much have there, have not just like Buffy's life, have, how much has not only Buffy's life changed, but also like Xander and Willow, I oh, mean. so much. Yeah, and like, could Willow ever imagine somebody calling her a fun machine? <laughs> I really like that like, you're just like, Willow's life has changed so much, and it's not the vampires and monsters. It's she, someone described her as a fun machine. Well, I mean, <laughs> I feel like the with Sunnydale being on top of a Hellmouth, I feel like the uh, the vampires and monsters and stuff are something that they have been dealing with. Maybe they don't know yeah. it, but it was inevitable. Yeah. Um, but now I've got like, oh, I have this cool friend who not only beats up vampires, but she thinks I'm a fun machine. <laughs> Willow, we think you're a fun machine, too. Oh, no, Willow's the best. Here at uh, Booze and Buffy, we are a pro-fun machine Willow podcast. <laughs> um, I do like that Willow, uh, Buffy is still just one of the worst liars in the world. Um, and she's, like, trying to sneak into the house without being noticed and forgetting that she had already had a plausible reason why she wasn't going to be home. Because like, they did the round robin. Yeah. <laughs> this scene also... Do you remember the episode of that 70s show when Eric and Donna have sex for the first time? Oh, yeah, and and Kitty sees Eric. Or no, Kitty sees Donna, or is it Eric? Like, it's she both, sees one both of, of them. Yeah, and just is like, I have them. sex. I yeah. had sex, like. Yeah, or not, and what, I think one of them is I had sex, and the other one's not a virgin, maybe. Or I love like what, that. and I love when Bob sees Eric and it just says, guilty on yeah. his <laughs> It makes me think of that because I, I do think that's like the whole thing of it, that Buffy is not only has she had all this trauma going on, but I think she's also worried that somehow her mom's gonna know. Um, and I, I actually am of the opinion that uh, unless you're Dennis Quaid in the 2012 version of Footloose, your parents always know. Hmm. I hope not. <laughs> um, they at least have a feeling it's it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like the parents who like when if like somebody if their child comes out to them their parents normally say like i i knew yeah. fun fact uh parents of gay children don't say that it's very stressful for your yeah. gay child just love <laughs> and support yeah love and support um, so uh let's go to the library uh at the factory next actually. oh we are at the factory okay uh, the factory drusilla is naming the stars which she can't see because she's inside <laughs> and, and it's, it's day <laughs> i also just like that her big her big problem is that there's too many and they all have the same name <laughs> and there's terrible confusion which kind of makes think of finding nemo for some reason <laughs> where he's their name at the beginning when uh they're naming they're gonna name the eggs and he's like this half will be marla jr and this half will be coral jr i'm like that is not an efficient way of naming your children it's all right because they all end up dead anyway true except for the one nemo the, the titular nemo <laughs> tit <laughs> so um this is where angel and jealous or as everyone seems to insist upon calling him at this juncture, Angelus, which is really funny. Joss Whedon kind of goes off on that a little in the commentary. Like, <laughs> he was like, it's Angelus. I don't know why we had so much trouble getting people to say Angelus. And we have got 
we've got our first shot of Angelus in his leather pants. Mm. <laughs> and uh, like the look on Drusilla's face. When, uh, so basically, the, Spike is just like, yeah, guess what? You're dead. After um, Angelus like, is quoting uh, Grapes of Wrath. It's like, oh, wherever oh. there's like injustice in the world, I'll be there or something like that. He's kind of paraphrasing it, I think. I, I'm sure that's Grapes of Wrath. I didn't realize that was a specific reference. Let me let me look at this. It's like one of those famous movie quotes, and I think also it's from the book as well. Uh, it's either Grapes of Wrath or East of Eden. I don't think it's East of Eden. Because okay. I famously yeah, really loved East yes. of Eden. But I think it, if it's not from the book Grapes of Wrath, then I think it's from the the movie adaptation. Well, listeners, if you know, I didn't realize. It if was, you want to call out Jason on his bullshit, <laughs> I just thought it chance. was like, um, just like that. It looks like your stereotypical like Western superhero, like no. And you know, I think it's because of an episode of Boy Meets World where they uh, they have to read the Grapes of Wrath, okay. and. Um, it's a big deal because Sean actually reads the book and at the very end of the episode he's like quoting something similar to that which I've heard before it's like oh whenever there's injustice in the world I'll be there it's like it. it's fairly famous and I think it's from Grapes of Wrath okay alright uh, but yeah and uh, so the judge turns around like touches that uh, washboard abs of Angel like the judge hmm <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> I don't think our listeners are going to believe that I'm straight. <laughs> You're doing a very poor job of convincing them. Anyway, uh, the, nothing happens, and the judge says there's no human, there's no humanity left in him. Were you about to say humanity? I think like I was getting like wrapped up in my words, but <laughs> it would not just it would not surprise me if I said humanity. So let's talk about. How horny Drusilla is. Oh my god, sploosh. (laughs) When he says there's no humanity, Drusilla is like, her eyes go wide, her... I'm trying to be not disgusting. Um, Well, you remember from What's My Line Part 2 when she had Angel all tied up and everything. mm -hmm. This is like... Oh god, now I get to do all the weird stuff that I wanted to do before. We do the weird stuff. Ah, nice Jasmine reference. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, she's so... Like, Spike is like, like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, he's evil now. Alright, but Drusilla's like, fuck me, daddy. <laughs> sure thing, Drew. <laughs> um, and then, Spike and Angel... Well, Angel kisses Spike on the forehead, mm-hmm. and you get, like, I'm sure there's, like, a whole subsection of the internet that's for, like, the Angel-Spike fanfiction, and whether it's Drusilla in there, or Darla, or Buffy, or all of them. I, I have a good feeling you're going to find what a lot of them with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, throw in a couple other characters we can't mention yet for good measure. Yeah. <laughs> Spike refers to Angel as uh, the Slayer's lapdog. Um, and then Angel says a lot of very ableist things to, to Spike. Uh, calls him calls him sit and spin. Is this where Drusilla says the line that I really love? 
the uh, we're going to destroy the world. Not what yet. To come. Oh, damn. Not yet, because because uh, Angel asked them to like, oh, give me one night and right. uh, like lay low, and he he basically says like he wants to just like he obviously wants to kill Buffy, but he wants to fuck her up first. Yeah, and and Drusilla once again as horny as she could possibly be, being like. You want to do to her what you did to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, Drusilla's Fifty Shades of Fucked Up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we are in the library. Yes. Um, because uh, everybody's worried about Buffy. Yeah. She hasn't checked in. And uh, and then, like, uh, Xander gets... Xander does his usual thing of getting possessive. But even though the things that he says are stupid, mm-hmm. I actually think what he says is in... It's not from a bad place. No. He, it, I, no, I agree. It, I think it also helps that Willow's on his side here, too. Yeah. Helps it soften that blow a little. Like, you're yeah. like, oh, Willow thinks it's a good idea. Okay. Even though, like, <laughs> this time Cordelia's the voice of reason. Yeah. And she doesn't... And even though what she says is snarky, it actually, like... Is I mean, this, you don't often hear Giles saying, I agree with Cordelia. Right. Is this the one where he says, she says, and do what besides be afraid and die? Yeah. Okay. So I was like, I'm pretty, sometimes I have trouble because I get, because I've seen all the episodes so much. I'm like, I know Cordelia says, do what besides be afraid and die, which is a great line. Yeah. Um, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's this episode. Um, yeah. I have to say, I, I, I agree with where Xander and Willow's like where they are emotionally and where their heart is. But yeah, I think Giles and Cordelia and Jenny are right that you know, they can't just yeah, like, go in there without the two most powerful members of their team. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they, especially if you're going after the judge. Yeah. Which they have yet to come up with an idea of how to of how to beat him. Yeah. Um luckily <laughs> Buffy enters the scene. Um, it's a great, like, cause like Willow and Xander, like storming out of the library as she's coming in and Xander's like, Oh, we're coming to rescue you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't have the alert sounding just yet. <laughs> Actually, I'm kind of wondering if like the, uh, the alert, if I'm going to sound that chat alert in this episode. I don't know. I actually think overall yeah. it's a pretty good Xander episode. Which doesn't happen too often. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I also am like still in the aftershock of all that happens mm-hmm. in this episode. Because a lot of stuff is happening this episode. So much. So I mentioned this, I think, on our Prophecy Girl episode. But, and I, I hope no one gets annoyed at me using this phrase again, but I'm going to. But economy of storytelling. So much fucking happens in this episode. And it never feels overstuffed. It doesn't. It feels per like I know it's kind of joking at the beginning saying like this happened, this happened, this but seriously, you All that stuff does happen. You have got movement forward on the Buffy Angel plot with and basically it reaches its stride. Yeah. Um you've got movement on the Giles and Jenny storyline. You've got movement on uh Xander and Cordelia. Um, and Willow and Oz and all of those storylines interact in different ways and every character um, has a significant moment an emotional moment um, 
and and like and like badass moments and sweet moments. Mm-hmm. This episode is stuffed to the gills, um, without ever seeing. There's a too reason. Much. Even and I Joyce think there's gets a, a great moment. Yeah, and I think there's a reason that like Joss Whedon has this as his favorite episode. Oh yeah, um, it was funny on the commentary. He doesn't refer to it as his favorite episode. I know he has in like other interviews. Yeah, but in the commentary, he refers to it as the most important episode of the. Oh, series. it is that, and I. Um, yeah, I, I think there are episodes I like more than this one, even though I'm, spoiler, gonna give this a perfect 5 out of 5 at the end. Um, there are a couple other 5 out of 5s for me that are, like, I, I just enjoy more, but damn, and this episode is fucking incredible. I, I meant to say this during a surprise, but it makes more sense that I say this uh, during Innocence. Um, just the way... The, I really love like the placement of this in the series mm-hmm. because here you have major character Angel um, turning evil and it was always there like that because everybody when they see Angel they talk about how like oh he was like the, the worst mm-hmm. vampire ever like we've known that ever since the episode Angel in season one right and but it it's not like they didn't end the season with that they didn't end season one with that. They didn't start season two with that. Yeah. They um they didn't they even introduced like different vampires for to be the supposed big bads of right. the season. Um but then like slightly after the middle of the season. Yeah, we're at episode fourteen of twenty two. Yeah. So, so about two thirds of the way through. Right. And you have the most shocking development. Mm-hmm. You have this ultimate betrayal and it doesn't happen too early in the series it doesn't happen too late in the series it it happens kind of right at the perfect moment and nothing in the show is the same after this i feel like this is like probably even more than prophecy girl is probably like the time when joss whedon really Mm. just like slaps every buffy viewer across the face and is like hey this is the show this is what the show is going to be yeah I, no, I agree. And I think it is... This arc we're getting into is so pivotal for Buffy's character development. Um, I, You know, I think everything that comes after for Buffy as a character... Not everything, but a good portion of it um, and how she reacts to things, how she handles things, can be linked back to her experiences in this arc. So not only... It's good that we didn't have this in season one because I don't think we could have had the emotional connection right. at that point. But it happens early enough that, that that there are ripple effects of it throughout the entire series. There's a reason and, that this episode's called Innocence. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the end of Buffy's innocence. Yeah. Which is so funny you say that. Um, because at the end of the commentary, Joss Whedon actually says... In one way, it is the end of her innocence, but also it's not. She still like she still yeah, is in a, in a different sense of the word. An maybe maybe and not that maybe not the death of innocence, but the death of naivete. Mm. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, I think we're saying that we like this episode, <laughs> guys. And, this is uh, this, this. I agree with Joss Whedon. I think this is the most. This is not my favorite episode of the series. That comes just a little later. But uh, it is the uh, the most important. So, well, we had just have the subject, and we won't get into spoilers, but um, just saying the, the title of the episode, what's your favorite Buffy episode? 
becoming parts one and two. Okay. Mine's the gift. Yeah. Well, um, we had that marathon where we all had our favorite episodes. You know, though, I did not... You remember yes. My episode You picked, was, like, the uh, first appearance of... A character. Yeah, a character. I, um, my, I picked, um, for anyone who cares, we did a marathon and everyone who came, it was a Buffy Angel marathon and everyone who came picked one Buffy episode and one Angel episode. I cheated and picked two, but nobody, <laughs> nobody was going to like argue with the two that I picked. And we had, we had a, a good assortment of episodes because I feel like everyone was very conscious to not pick necessarily like the obvious choices, which... I mean, we had, like, we definitely watched Once More with Feeling mm-hmm. and, like, Hush. Um, but I liked that people picked some off the walls. I remember someone picked uh, Guys Will Be Guys, I think. Or no, The Shroud of Ramon from Angel. Oh, yeah. And we were like, what a weird choice. But as we were watching it, we were like, oh, what a fun episode. We thought that your Buffy episode was a weird choice. But, like, then we're like, oh, wow, this is actually yeah. awesome. And then I think, was my Angel choice a hole in the world? Was that what I did? Um... I may have picked Smile Time. I either picked Smile Time or Spin the Bottle. Okay. Um, I don't think we did a hole in the world because I think we were already too wrecked by becoming parts one and two. Fair. Well, we split. We ended up splitting it. Yes, we did. Two nights we did because we got tired. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, hey, those are episodes you guys can keep an eye out for. Um. So, basically, no one knows where Angel is. Um, Buffy's worried they got she she claims they got separated in the sewers um, and he disappeared and she doesn't know where he is um, he's gonna go look for him while they do and I think this research. is kind of like and I honestly think that uh, that's kind of like Buffy's kind of like projecting her hopes onto that because oh, um, yeah. because I think that like that she's hope that's the worst that she can hope well or she's hoping that like, oh, this is the this is like the worst thing that can happen. Like it's he wouldn't leave me. He's just he's just like out and about. And I but, don't even think the idea of him leaving her crosses her mind. I like I really um, I don't even you know you were saying earlier like we hear uh, we heard about all the bad things he did, but the idea to, at least to the characters. For me, like I don't think they even had a concept that this could happen. Exactly, which it's 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 why blindsides everybody. Yeah, it's such an out of the box, out of context problem. No one was expecting, and so yeah, I don't even think, even without saying like Angel or Buffy's thinking he's evil, I don't think Buffy is looking at this from the perspective of he left me. At least not until the scene in his apartment. I I do think she sincerely thinks something bad happened to him. I, I, that's yeah. my read of it is that she doesn't like the concept right. doesn't even cross her mind um, which why should it he's been nothing but loving and caring towards her yeah. up to this point um, but to that end that also just kind of as you mentioned kind of highlights that um, I, I don't love using the word naivete because it does come across as kind of negative but it, but it is a little she is She's a young person. She does not it, have those. Life yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's negative um, because it's a fact of life. Yeah. I mean, everyone has moments of naivete. I mean, that's 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 the thing. Like we don't. We aren't born with every single life lesson that yeah. we that we need. We 
learn them. And the lack, like saying naivete is better than ignorance because ignorance is kind of like willfully choosing mm-hmm. to ignore, um, to ignore like lessons and facts. Whereas naivete is just like so you're being unaware. Republican. Yeah. <sighs> Being a uh, being unaware of. Oh look, there just went four four listeners. <laughs> if you if you still had Republicans up to this point, it's actually uh, would be very shocking. I, I I went off on that Bevan a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. Don't oh, let no. the door hit you where the good Lord split you. I wish the good Lord would split him. Anyway, <laughs> um, no, I yeah, I think you're. You're, you're right on the money with it. Um, and one of the things I do love about the show is we do get to see that growth. Um, these, it's, I, I say this so many times, um, but we, John and I are doing a separate rewatch of the series because mm-hmm. John's never watched it before. So we're, um, we're beautiful. Um, we're currently in season six slash season three. So season six of Buffy, season three of Angel. Mm-hmm. And, it is so jarring sometimes um, to like, especially if like we watched an episode the night before and then like we record an episode to like go from a season six episode to a season two episode. Yeah. Um, and the characters are they're not unrecognizable, but the the character development on the show, even from episode one to episode twelve plus fourteen. Uh, whatever um 26 yeah yeah episode 26 look at that <laughs> what are you doing man um we have seen so much growth out of these characters yeah um i don't think we ever could have seen the confrontation between willow and xander that we got in this episode in season one i don't think willow ever would have had um the guts to do it yeah um so and and I just love seeing that continue. Mm-hmm. So, on that note, this is where we have this confrontation between them. Is that before the apartment scene? It's before the apartment. Okay, scene, yeah. So they're researching. They're hitting all the same roadblocks that they've been hitting. No weapon forged to kill him. It took an army. Um, I gotta say, like Cordelia is very focused in this episode. She is. The, She's on a mission. Yeah, like the last. Like, this episode and the last episode, I mean, I remarked on the last episode how, like, she's helping put together, like, this birthday party yeah. for Buffy, somebody that she did not like uh, just a year ago. Yeah. And now she's, like, it, I think it's safe to say that she's really cemented herself as a true member of the Scooby gang. Yeah. And a member in her own right. Because yeah. Because at this point, no one knows that she's dating Xander. And I, I said, I kind of... I. I think I discussed this last week or Mm -hmm. the week before. Sometimes love interests on this show have a bad tendency to, even when they're the most entertaining character ever created, um, do sometimes have a tendency to be defined by being a love interest, first and foremost. Um, And it helps that Cordelia was introduced as a character in her own right before becoming Xander's love interest. Growth alert. Um, but yeah, we are. I, I do like that we see her taking a more active role in the group. And you know, yeah. this this scene where uh, Xander like apologizes for getting snippy with her, and she says like, "Oh, you just want to go out and save your Buffy. Like you'd never like run out and save me. Like you never run out and save me from death." No, and he you know, says. She says. Yeah. 
Um, Please get this right for me. It's because it's it's so good. She's, you never um, run out and die for me. You'll never die for me. And he says, I "I'll might die, die from, from you." <laughs> and you know what? I think this is the first real show of maybe not emotion, but like actual tenderness toward oh, each yeah. other. Because like they're they're everything up to this point has been predicated on like dislike. Yeah, dislike. <laughs> like I mean, hate fucking without the fucking, and. <laughs> But like no, they actually have like some really adorable moments. It's sweet, and it, 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 but they never lose their snark. And no, I love, I love that. It's like they... can we just kiss and make up? And Cordelia's just like, I don't want to make up, but I'm fine with the first part. Mm-hmm. Though I'm like, oh, she has a really cute smile, and that's yeah, scene. like it's. They're definitely, you know, they're not dropping the snark, but they're not going to. That's their. That's how and, they know, talk to one maybe another. Maybe that's like the worst time for Willow to see it because, oh like, my God. I, I feel like if Willow had. Um, seeing them just like a couple episodes before which she did she was in the middle of that like bad eggs <laughs> argument like the literal middle of it but um, I feel like if she had found out that something was going on between them at that point then um, maybe Willow wouldn't have been as shook mm-hmm. but she sees them like being an adorable cutesy couple like kind of like what has been hanging out between like Willow and Oz but yeah and and that's what it's wrecks her. It's it's heartbreaking. And it's so well filmed because we get we have this scene with them. It's cute. It's fun. Um, they kiss, and then when they pull apart, Willow's there. Yep. Um, it actually it reminds me of in the last episode when Angel and Buffy kiss, and when they pull apart, Jenny Calendar's in the middle, like I'm gonna drive you to the dock, Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in this case, it's just so, so upsetting because, first of all, those fucking eyes, Allison Hannigan's goddamn Disney princess doe <laughs> eyes, and she's like, don't hurt her. Look, there's another death of innocence right there. Mm-hmm. It's like, all this time, Willow's kind of been operating in this bubble where like, oh, Xander's like always here. And I mean, they don't really, I feel like they never push it too hard, like, that Zan, that Willow secretly likes Xander, but it's there. It's there. It, yeah. They, they pushed it really hard, I think, in season one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, during season two, it's been more of an undercurrent, especially once Oz is in the picture. Yeah. Um, rather than, a, which is realistic, you know, your feelings for people will ebb. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you like them one day and then you don't the next. It yeah. really is. And then those little jealousies, like, they pop up. Even it'd, be, it'd be a lot easier if you could just stop liking somebody. Yeah. But uh, out, moving away from personal experience. <laughs> um, but, uh, and and again, like, she has this naivete that comes across, especially when she's, like, yelling at Xander and, like, what is, like, equal parts... A good moment for her, but also like a bad moment for her, because she's like, "What about the like? I hear Cordelia fan club, of which you are the treasurer." Okay, I need to talk about this for a second. Yes, okay. So they have an "I hate Cordelia" club. Great, like that one as a piece of writing. That is, um, I I love those little moments that we get into their shared history. And makes that relationship feel... And also, like, things have gotten so heavy in this episode, and 
there's not a lot of class going on. So sometimes you forget just like, these are high school mm-hmm. students. They aren't even 18 yet. Yeah. And having like an I Hate Cordelia Chase fan club is such like a, not even like high school, like a grade school thing right. to do. And it's like in the midst of all this, remember that they're still kids. Mm-hmm. So, my other thought about this. Yeah. Xander is the treasurer. Not vice president. Presumably not secretary. Willow, yeah, presumably Willow is president. Um, not vice president. Not secretary. Treasurer. Which you think it would seem like something that Xander would have come up with. Because I feel like he has more of the snark than Willow does. Thank you. I, I need you to open it for me. Well, they're not twist offs. No, listeners, I just texted my husband to bring me another cider because I was running low on mine. But he brought me an open or an unopened cider. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Um, but like, it would honestly be such a Xander thing to like make a club and then only become the treasurer of right. it. So, who else was in this club? Who made? I, presumably Jesse. In all uh, fairness, yeah. In all fairness, there has to be like a group. I would not be surprised if there was an actual group of people that organized and got together to like say, "I hate Cordelia," because Cordelia is not like the most sympathetic character. I have never even thought of that. I always thought it was just like a funny. I'm thinking of it as like a funny thing that Willow and Xander and maybe Jesse did. But you are positing, and I love this, <laughs> that they actually had members and meetings where they got together. <laughs> and, and Xander was treasurer, so presumably people paid dues. And I, <laughs> I am, Which means that they had, like, <laughs> club-sponsored events. I'm so fucking... I, and I, I imagine it was just, like, all of the members going to, like the local graders or something <laughs> just sitting around just bitching about Cordelia well I think since they're in California maybe they went to like an In-N-Out <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so down for this I'm so down for this um, and um, it also makes me think of the uh, Thanksgiving episode of Friends with Brad Pitt and they show that, like they have the Rachel Gr- the I Hate Rachel Green Club <laughs> and you find out that Ross is the other member and that that episode which is even funnier in retrospect because, like, oh, they were making fun of hating each other because, like, oh, they were, like, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston were dating at the time. Or were they married at the time? I think Um, they were married at that point. But, yeah, but now, who knows what the terms are on that. But uh, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, (laughs) Willow also tells Xander that he has gross emotional problems. Which is true. Which is true. Like, no argument. (laughs) Not even Xander tries to argue. He's like, yeah. Um, but Guilty. then, then, you know, we're having, we're having a good time, but she then comes in with a line to me, just cuts hard. She said, she tells him, it means you'd rather be with someone you hate than be with me. And fuck. Like, yeah, it hurts. Rough. But you know, that is a very... I'm trying not to say this in the, like, shittiest way possible, but it's probably going to come off as shitty. That is a very, like, 16, 17-year-old way to look at this. Oh, it absolutely because, is. Because, I mean, if there's one thing that I've learned, and I am so fucking guilty of this, so <laughs> I'm a, I am feel like I've earned the right to say this, you cannot, if you do like somebody, 
you cannot sit on that forever. You mm-hmm. cannot like admire them from afar and then like just hope that one day the magic moment's going to come when uh, they'll be like, oh my gosh, I never realized it all this time, but I love you. Because yeah. I'm speaking from probably the most plentiful experience of life that I have. That moment doesn't come, mm-hmm. and the more you sit on it and don't like just outright say, hey, I like you, is like it only hurts you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you, you know, you know, yeah. like. Quite a few of my experiences. Oh, that. I'm sorry. I'm sitting here smirking, not at you, because I'm also thinking of my own experiences. Yeah, I'm the same. You were there for my entire situation with. Uh, yes, name I know. Re- name redacted yeah. to protect the not so innocent. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even like. I can't redact any names because there are just too many, <laughs> and I won't mention them here. Yeah, I no, it's fair. You're, you're absolutely right. I was very bad about that in high school too, mm-hmm. and it was. And, and Dude, you, I'm very bad about that now, <laughs> and I'm fucking thirty. <laughs> those, those and, and then when you do that, those emotions bubble up, and you, yeah, you and then you eventually are. Have we ever? Is have we ever seen Willow up to this point admit to Xander that she has feelings for no. him? No. Yeah. She's definitely told Buffy. Yeah. But yeah, I think this is the first time we she's told him that she and she doesn't even tell him. Like, I mean And she, that's and that's that safe place that like the safe places kind of disappear in this episode. Like yeah. it's the safe place like, oh Xander's like always there and um he's always there for me and so one day eventually he'll get it through his head that he likes me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'll be there. I'll be stalwart and true, and yeah, that yeah. that that sort of thing. Like, it just doesn't happen. I mean, if it does, if you're like in a relationship where that happened, congratulations, <laughs> you got super lucky. But um, for those of you who are like struggling with that problem as much as I have, and probably will continue to struggle with for a while, but hopefully not. I like to think that I'm growing as a person, but this isn't about my personal journey. But like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's another podcast if you're interested anybody no all Just right personal journey um, for subscribers <laughs> i'd listen oh thanks but you just would want to hear the parts that you're in yeah <laughs> it's like oh this episode doesn't have me in it um but no like um be and i guess that's just a piece of advice um no matter what age you are gauge the situation and then, like, once you see how, how the situation is, gauge how you'd approach it. But also, don't be, don't be reactive. Like, you gotta be proactive. Like, if you like somebody, and you think that there's a chance that they like you, and it's not, like, something that's gonna ruin the dynamic of your friendship, then, like, you know, tell them. Yep. And, like, if you're good friends, then, like, hopefully that honesty will lead to either your desired result of being with them, or also... Stop it, Harrison. <laughs> that was last episode. Or or it'll lead to the or it'll lead to like, hey, don't feel that same way about you. Let's be in a good place. So for listeners who are curious, I was taking Jason's very lovely sentiment Thank that you. was well articulated, but I was also making a sex motion with my hands while looking deep, deep, deep into his eyes. Oh, <laughs> 
Oh boy. Jarrison is not a thing. Jarrison? What? Our couple name if we were doing oh, it together. Was, <laughs> it was such not a thing that I didn't even recognize it as a couple's name. I was like, what the fuck is a Jarrison? <laughs> but then um, Oh, but I'm gonna use that for mine and John's couple name. That works. Han is kinda gross. Oh, Han Solo. <laughs> we, we've recorded this. Uh, this is our first podcast after seeing Star Wars. So, yeah. Rise of Skywalker. So, we're recording this two days before Christmas. But you guys, I think, will be getting this the day after New Year's or two days yeah. after New Year's. But we'll, we'll, the cinnamon is there. Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy to, holidays. Yeah, to whatever you celebrate, even if you don't celebrate at all. If you... With if you're with the people you love, or if you're not, like we love you. Oh, we do love you. Yeah, so we want you to like. You'll have this episode, and we're going through a pretty traumatic bit of episodes around yeah. Christmas and New Year's. So happy holidays. Yeah. So, um, um, but now let's. Speaking of traumatic, let's move to the next scene. Yeah, I was like, it feels like it definitely feels like we're spinning wheels because we don't want to talk about but, this. And the sad thing is, I do want to talk about this, but also at the same time, it's rough, guys. This is the this is the part of the episode that just it. I'm pretty sure when I first watched this, it wrecked me. Oh, it's so horrible. Um, and honestly, I it's gotten worse for me as I've gotten older. I think when I first saw the show. First time I watched it, I was 17, 17, 18. I can't, so I started it in the summer and my birthday's in the summer. So at some point I turned 18. And um, I, I, I like, this scene, I was like, okay, well, he's being mean. But I didn't quite have the life experience yet to understand that he wasn't being mean. He was being crazy. Rule. Yeah, and, and it's so horrible what he says to her. Quick side note: I think that with good writing, with something that is well written, especially with TV or movies, I think it hits you harder the older you get. Oh, and yeah. my example is Big Fish. Oh, um, Big Fish is one of my favorite movies. So I watched cool. it a couple times when I was a kid, like right around the time that it came out. I think I was in grade school. Um, like late grade school, but uh, and I watched it in high school the first time we watched it, and in one of my English classes. And it's 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 a beautiful movie. I always thought it was like it was interesting, and um, I also watched it. The main reason I watched it was because I really loved Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. and um, Me too. maybe not for the same reasons that uh, Harrison loves Ewan McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is gross, man. <laughs> He's doing stuff with his tongue right now and his finger. Well, okay. Uh, whatever you're picturing, that's not what I'm doing. Anyway, um, but yeah, um, when I watched, uh, I think I picked up Big, Big Fish for the first time in a while, a couple years ago, and oh my god, like it just, it I was crying. That ending has me in tears. No, yeah, it's 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 so good. And so, uh, not to get us too off track. Um, I'm a writer, as you know, Jason, but I'm a, I, I'm a writer, and um, for me, that movie, that idea, that, um, it, because I'm a writer, but I'm, I really consider myself a storyteller, like, I, I'm, for me, I'm less interested in the technical craft of writing, even though I'm, I would, I like to think I'm quite good at it. Um, but I am really into stories. I 
love a good story. I think story is so powerful. And that's what I love about Big Fish is that, you know, spoiler alert for a 20-year-old movie, even though he dies at the end of the movie, he doesn't because his stories touch people and move out in the world. And um, If you haven't seen yeah. Big Fish, watch it. It's... It's honestly a, a movie that only gets... It's kind of like a fine wine, except mm-hmm. you're the one who's getting older. And... <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and it only gets better as you get yeah. older. I think um, it's fantastic. Have you ever read the book? No, I haven't. The book's but, very good. Um, I might. And also, like, uh, auditions for Big Fish the Musical are coming up. Oh, yeah. And uh, I am definitely going to be in on that. Um, crush fingers for me, guys. Uh... But so now we have to talk about it. Yeah, we have to. There we uh, go. There we go. Spinning our wheels again. So uh, before we talk about this, I do want to just share a bit of trivia. Okay. Uh, this scene. So in case fans are like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Um, we're talking about the scene in Angel's apartment where he's just completely cruel to Buffy and shirtless. He starts and off shirtless. shirtless. <laughs> Sorry. Last non-serious comment about this scene. We, we do get to see Angel shirtless yep. yet again. Ah, and normally I'd be so into it, because not only is he shirtless, it's a combination of shirtless and leather pants. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> and he's being kind of mean? Ooh. <laughs> Whoa, dude. <laughs> Just uh, call me Drusilla. Sploosh. <laughs> um, but this scene actually was not scripted to be in Angel's apartment. It was scripted, so the, it actually begins with Buffy walking up to her house, stopping at the front door, and then walking away, and then it cuts to her going to Angel's, in, into Angel's apartment. This scene actually was originally uh, scripted and filmed in front of Buffy's house. Okay. And they, um, uh, Joss Whedon was describing this on the commentary, they, the scene was not working. Um, it wouldn't work at night. It wouldn't work, and it doesn't work uh, specifically. Um, and I, it was unclear based on his comments whether this was Sarah Michelle Gellar's idea or or not. But she specifically was saying like she was having a hard time getting to the right emotional place. They were yeah, they were filming it at night. They were filming it outside. It, yeah, it has to be night because Angel, right, while being Angel, is still a vampire, and this scene is like taking what we did and bring putting it in the light of day yes not to be like too heavy-handed but it I helps re- that the scene is brightly lit yes um and I, I was thinking about this while we were watching the episode i i feel like the main theme of this besides like the end of naivete as i mentioned before is um consequences of our decisions mm-hmm. and because like we had all the decisions made in surprise and this is like now we have to deal with that fallout we have mm-hmm. to deal with those consequences and this is obviously like the main consequence you have to deal with but you yeah. also have like this is the consequence like earlier you had uh the consequence of um like uh cordelia and xander yeah they've been like messing around and stuff all this time but now you get to see the consequences that this that this has on willow right and like xander's best friend yeah but uh Let's talk about this scene. Yeah. Um, well, before I, before we, I just want to finish my... <laughs> just one minute, what, I'm sorry, I, did I interrupt you? No, no, you're good, <laughs> you're good, man. Um, it, one of the reasons they moved it here, and I think works, is one, it's more intimate in this space, 
than it would be mm-hmm. outside. But also, as you kind of you were alluding to, it in the space where it happened. Yeah, it's not an arbitrary location. Yeah, it is a deliberate one. In the light of day, I actually do think it is still night. I think the implication is she went to her house and then went straight there. Oh. But but it's still it's well lit. Yeah, you know, even though it's maybe not day. Because Angel still... does walk out at the end of the scene, so yeah. it's like <laughs> I'm gonna walk out into the sun. Um. So so yeah. So and Buffy this... goes into his apartment looking for him, and he's there, shirtless and leather pants. But um, then she's so worried. She, she like had no idea what had happened to him, and he's just kind of like, he's doing the exact thing that you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. He is like, and he's doing this. He's doing this to hurt Buffy. Oh yeah. Um, but at the same time, I feel like in other time, other instances where this happens in real life, some people do this, and they're just like blissfully unaware um, of how much they hurt a person, like. Angel says what they like the sex that they had didn't mean a lot. It was just a thing that happened. He makes it come off as like, oh man, like yeah, like well, I got what I want from you. Mm-hmm. And this, implied that she wasn't very good. Yeah. Like and this this wrecks Buffy and mm-hmm. I mean Sarah Michelle Geller nails it. Like it yeah. you you wanna cry because I mean I I, I hope that people don't have this experience but yeah. i also am not ignorant enough to to say that to think that they don't because yeah. this happens what would you what do you think is the cruelest thing that he says in this scene um probably that it didn't mean that okay. much um because they've literally like they've been through life and death together and the life and near death together Buffy has actually been through death. Yeah. Um, actually, technically, Angel so has too. Yeah. yeah. So they have been but not through together. Like, yeah. He, he died but, a long um, time. But, but then, like, then before they had sex and surprise, they say, like, Angel says he makes that that he admits that like I love you, and I mean that is obviously something that that uh, Buffy has. Uh, Oh, now that I think about it, I want to change my answer. I think you're going when, to change your answer to she, what mine is. When she says, I love you, and he love says, you too. love you too, oh, and then just walks out. So flippant. Oh, God. So horrible. The chat alert <gasps> oh my is God, on, is on Angelus. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling in this uh, later half of season two that the chat, Xander's going to get a reprieve on the chat alert <laughs> a little bit. Oh, I'm sure he's still going to get plenty of chat alerts, but no, this... This is it's awful. It's awful. I'm... Um, hello, fire truck. I'm gonna say my that that for me is I think is the cruelest thing he says. Mm-hmm. That that very flippant, love you too. But um, my like honorable mention is when Buffy says, "Was I not good?" And he goes, "Oh, you were a pro." David Bernanas does this smirking, like asshole douchebag chad so (laughs) it's like it's funny because joss whedon on the uh the commentary goes out of his way several times to be like david's the nicest guy you could ever work with and i'm like no i don't think so and i mean (laughs) it's obvious but i'm gonna say it this is clearly like when you have sex with somebody they can change like the physical intimacy changes you and 
like obviously this mirrors like the real world and mm-hmm. again like the naivete the is nice, gone the quote-unquote nice guy yeah who... sometimes like and i say sometimes it's probably more often than not which might be a cynical viewpoint but i think like guys are as xander states um later in the episode looking at linoleum makes, makes me want to have sex. sex um guys are guys are all about getting it you know it's really funny we while we were watching the episode when he said xander said that line yumi and john all kind of went like we all kind of like shrugged and yeah. we're like yeah like <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah there's and I, I guess like the sad thing you really have to wonder how much like how this affects buffy obviously it traumatizes her but like when she finds out later that Angel's soul is gone, mm-hmm. does that change how that affected her? Like, does she, like, think, oh, well, then this, like, that wasn't him? Um, um, yes, I think it does. I think her perspective changes, but I think what we see in that is her perspective goes from that was He's no him longer to... the person I love. He's a monster I have to kill. Right, but also her perspective is it, it becomes self blame I did this. Yeah, you're right. You're she right. she goes real hard on blaming herself. Which, which again, there you go, speaking true to life. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to talk about that quite yet because we're not there. But um, I do think the episode could easily come off as um, punishing Buffy for having sex. And I think that what what prevents the episode from going into that territory and we'll discuss it when we get there is her conversation with Giles at the end here is a um here's something that I want to talk about I was thinking about it when I thought mm-hmm. about this episode um you know more about this than I you would probably know more about this than I do was there like backlash at all when the idea of Buffy when premarital sex Buffy having premarital sex when that happened like depicting a high schooler having sex because I'll say this in Smallville, a show that I associate with Buffy so much because Fair. I've not watched Smallville, but it but no, seems like, like it probably has a similar yeah yeah like as as Buffy has like an angel or as Buffy has like a uh, a vampire or monster of the week. Uh, Smallville has for its first few uh, seasons has like a meteor freak of the week. Mm-hmm. Like people are affected by kryptonite um, and like changed in some way because of that. Right. Um, in uh, at the beginning, like little spoilers for Smallville, but like there's a point in um, season five when uh, Clark, while being 18 years old, while like Tom is like fucking 35, <laughs> um, he and uh, Lana Lang have sex uh, for the first time. Um, and I remember when that episode happened, uh, a lot of people on message boards, this is like the first show that I followed, like <laughs> all the message boards for it too. A lot of people were saying like, this is a terrible thing. Like, um, he's supposed to be Superman and here he is having like premarital sex. And that's like, that's like a big faux pas amongst <sighs> people. Um, and, uh, that's not my, that is not directed at you. That's I know, I know people, but like, I kind of wonder, like, Buffy, who at this point was, like, a teen idol and probably, like, considered, like, a role model of, like, oh, strong women uh, empowering. And I'm not saying that, like, Joss Whedon was trying to take away from that. If anything, he tries to reinforce it with this episode. But was there backlash with the premarital sex that Buffy has? None that I know of. 
But I'm sure those one million moms and, you know, those groups, they always have something to be angry about. Um, it's like, let's take a break from the vampires and Satanism yeah. and stuff like that. And I'm sure there were, like, I, I don't know of any, like, really significant, like, backlash. Um, but I would not be shocked if there were, weren't those little fringe groups who... Mm-hmm always have something to fucking say um i would argue that i you know i don't know this for sure but i'd be willing to bet that there were you know at this point people were just like clamoring for them to have sex (laughs) like i mean it's not like it's been subtle like (laughs) we've been talking about those makeout sessions right um, you know, that was actually difficult to talk about when we were talking about bad eggs, because I, I wanted to be like, and in the next episode, they're going to have sex! And that's why it's important that they're making out a lot in this but I one. Mean, but I mean, hey, like, this happens. Like, teenagers have sex. They Fun fact, I was once a teenager, and I had sex. The, um... It was unsatisfactory. Ooh, I feel like there's that one person who's listening to that podcast like, wait, what? <laughs> like... A person I had sex with in yeah. high school. No, they know how I felt <laughs> about uh, our interaction. Um, I told everyone. But, uh, yeah. That like, did not make me come across as a good person. As long, like, I mean, and hey, it's it's like Julianne Huff says in the 2012 remake of Footloose. What the fuck? <laughs> like, oh, guess what? She had sex. Um, sorry, Dennis Quaid dad. <laughs> Is Dennis Quaid John Lithgow? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't realize how much mileage I was going to get out of that movie. I'm really excited for, um, in like 20 years, the reboot of Dexter where Dennis Quaid plays the Trinity Killer. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> or when they reboot The Crown and Dennis Quaid plays Winston Churchill. Dennis Quaid's entire career from here on out is just playing roles originated by John Lithgow. Uh, apparently there was like a movie that came out like I think last year or earlier this year with Dennis Quaid is like a creepy guy who like sells a house to a couple but then like won't let go of the house so he like fucking stalks them. I'm pretty sure that is a movie and I like and I'm, I want to check that out. Is Dennis Quaid the crazy one or is it Randy? Dennis... Randy Quaid is the crazy one. Okay, okay. He's Cousin Eddie in Christmas Vacation. Okay. All right. Um, so... Probably in other things, too, but, like, he's Cousin Eddie in Christmas Vacation. Do we have anything else we need to talk about in this nasty, cruel scene? Or By the way, how much stuff about? have we talked about in this scene? Uh, let's... I mean, let's... There's a, a lot to... I mean, it's it's rough and it's horrible, but it... It's necessary. It is... No, yeah, but it, there's not a lot of content to it. It, it happens pretty quickly. It is, you know, the log line of the scene is Buffy is reunited with Angel. He treats her really shittily. She feels bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, there's nuance and like layers in it, but that is what it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's sucks. Um, the next scene has Jenny v- visiting her uncle Enios. Um, who is the, the actor who plays him is, uh, Vincent 
Carthrad. No. Chavelli? <laughs> I don't know if that's right. But he, um, he's in Ghost. He's like the... Oh, shit, he is in Ghost. Yeah, he's like the uh, the ghost on the train, right? Or is that... Or am I... I, I think... God, man, I need to like I need to watch this. It's been a again. long time since I've yeah. seen Ghost, so. Oh my love. Perfect. <laughs> um, so this is the exposition, though. This is where we learn why what has happened. Um, we learn that we already knew that his tribe of Romani were the ones who were responsible for his tribe and Jenny's tribe yeah. were responsible for cursing Angelus mm-hmm. but now we get the fine print he was never he was never meant to live as a human he was meant to suffer with like all of his all with the guilt of all of his actions but if he has a moment of true happiness the curse is broken yeah. so it's so funny um, as a longtime fan of the show I've seen a lot of fans complaining about this curse and being like well it doesn't make sense why would they put this clause in there like why would they why would they ever like have make, like make this chance that he would turn back into a human and I've always been like but that, didn't you watch that scene between Jenny and Enyos where he basically says they don't care they don't care about justice or right and wrong they were out for revenge they wanted vengeance and which I'm gonna say right now, don't live for vengeance, people. It's bad. That, yeah, the, look what it did for him. Yeah, you're gonna get uh-huh. your like, you're gonna get your head ripped off by uh-huh. a vampire. It's just, and it's funny because in the um, commentary, Joss Whedon actually talks about that. That's why this scene exists. He's like, I recognize that this clause in the curse is kind of weird and doesn't make sense. He's like, so I had to write something to justify it, and this is what I chose, and I think it works for me, and. I love that Jenny points out, she's like, this is madness. People will die. And he goes, and yeah, that's when he says, it is not justice we serve, it's vengeance. Um, and she says, you're a fool. And You're a damn fool! Yeah. Um, also, it is never stated that the Romani people put this clause into the curse. I've always just kind of thought it was just a like an unintended side effect like maybe it shows the limitation of the powers of the Romani. yeah i i've never felt that they were like okay we're gonna create a curse where he lose like he gets a soul and he loses that soul if he's happy it's you know it's kind of like in the 2012 remake of footloose (laughs) (laughs) no i'm sorry (laughs) i i for me just i've always just been like no they just to me it makes sense I guess maybe I'm just a weirdo, but their the curse is that he gets his soul, and that that soul forces him to feel torment over the things he's done. So to me, there's a certain logic that the for the one second where he's not feeling that torment anymore, the curse is lifted. So I've been saying it's the 2012 remake of Footloose, and I've realized, and as I was saying, like it's 2011. I oh got gosh, that wrong. You fucking fool. Well, You're a fool. What We're a fool. all fools. It's like, hey, let's... There you go. You can call out Jason on his bullshit again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back at the school, Willow returns. Um, is she... I, I really love this scene between her and Xander. I, I like that they... She's very clear. She's like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't like it. I don't care for it. But... 
we've got like the end of the world coming up. So. Yeah. And Xander, to his part, it was like, yeah, like let's focus on what we have to focus on right now, and we can figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Xander is not my favorite character, um, but I. I do this is a surprisingly strong episode for Xander. It's a big one for him. I, I just, I love the friendship between him and Willow. And he there like, are days he, where I'm like, Willow, you can do better, but I'm also he, just He like, displays a maturity that isn't present too much in the series until like probably like season seven. Yeah. I'm going to say season five, but... Um, All right. Um, they... But Xander gets an idea. He gets an idea. Willow prompts him you know but basically they're still at the same place only an army can kill him and xander's like army hmm huh interesting <laughs> um, but then angel shows up or who they think is angel mm-hmm. the lights go out the lights go like what's what's wrong with these lights angelus <laughs> Is a drama queen. I was going to say theatrical, but yes, a fucking <laughs> drama queen. Remember how the master was a goddamn drama queen? <laughs> Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. Is there any Buffy Big Bad? And I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get into spoilers, obviously. But I'm thinking through. I think they're all drama queens. A certain one that starts with an A, I wouldn't I, say. I'd say is probably the closest to not being one. I, that, I agree. I'm I'm definitely gonna put that at the least drama queeny of the drama queens. And um, DW, uh, not really so much a drama... Arthur's little sister. <laughs> no, like uh, Darkwing Duck. When there's trouble, you call DW. <laughs> um, no, like I would say that um, DW wasn't really interested in like the drama. More just like y'all are all gonna fucking die. But you can make the argument that... I'm, I'm going to argue that while motivation was not necessarily the most dramatic, the way they went about things, very dramatic. Okay. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. All right. What are we talking about? <laughs> Keep listening. So, um, yeah, Angelus is there. He sends Xander to get the others, and he's like, Willow, come here. I want to show you something. My dick. <laughs> right? Yeah. Get out of there, Willow. That's a predator. Stranger danger, yo. Even um, if he isn't a stranger, like the, the danger is there. No, when the lights go out and your former the evil friend is like, hey, Willow, come here. Don't do it. Um, and you know, this, um, this scene is obviously like the point when everybody else realizes, hey, guys, this... This isn't Angel anymore. It's mm-hmm. like, it's their betrayal. Mm-hmm. But it almost feels like just kind of meh, because we've already had the betrayal that like that he gave Buffy without her even knowing that it yeah. was Angelus. Um I think the scene does the right thing in mm-hmm. making Willow be in danger. Yep. Um immediately my I'm like, Tuesday. my Willow, my Willow senses are like, no, Willow's in danger. Someone save her. Um but we have Jenny, um, who's the one who appears to tell With Willow. With the cross. That, yeah, get away from him. But she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't get away from him quickly enough, and Angelus grabs her. Um, but Xander is... realizes that something's yeah, up. He's, yeah, it's, it's almost always like, I'm sure that his whole hatred of Angel is kind of there. Uh, but I think that he realizes that something's up. It's weird. Like, it's yeah. a weird situation. 
I feel so terrified. Like, I know Willow is safe. Like, I, obviously she's not safe, but, like, I know she's gonna survive this encounter with Angelus whenever I watch it. But for me, I always think about what Willow, what's going on in her head during this Like, sequence. this is a person that I trusted. Yeah, exactly. This was someone she trusted, someone she considered a friend, someone she invited into her home and hid her bra from. Um, and... But I'm sure at the same time, when he grabs her, all of those memories of knowing, you know, what he's done in his past is flooding back to her. Like, it's... I'm trying to think of, like, uh, something that would affect me on that scale. And honestly, it would kind of be like if you, like, pulled out a gun and held me at gunpoint. Like, I would and, never. I would like, obviously you... use a knife. <laughs> but, like, you... Like, it, I could just see, like, having this, like, stone-dead serious look on your face. Because I've, like... What do you think of me? No, I'm trying to think of, like, what would actually scare me um, if you were to, like, betray me. And I've seen you, like, you're an actor as well as a writer. And I've seen your range of emotions. And I know... Thank you. And I know... I know when you're acting. I know when you're serious. And if you, like, held a gun and, like, had the seriousness coming at me, I'm like... That would probably be if, akin to what Willow feels now. Yeah. Stop dreaming of shooting me. I was not dreaming <laughs> of shooting you. I was just basking in the compliments. Um, it actually also reminds me of an... Uh, it makes me flashback to in School Hard, where Angel does something similar when he pretends to like be attacking Xander for Spike's benefit. Um, and how how different that scene plays out to this mm-hmm. one. Um, like, I think Angel and Jealous fully intended to kill Willow right there. Yeah. If Xander hadn't grabbed well, he, that cross. Well, like, and, when, yeah, when, when Buffy shows up, he says, like, oh, like, this is all just, like, uh, I was, like, leaving a message for you. And it's sort it, of the message where you find all your friends dead. Yeah. Like, he wants to completely destroy her. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like my girl Kelly says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And she does. Buffy, Buffy is, she got hurt. But now she's realizing, I need to rise above this. I need to rise from this. And it is turning her into fucking ruthless. Yeah. Um. So... Xander saves Willow. He grabs uh, Jenny's cross that she's holding. And, and hey, look at that. The cross is effective. Right? So, I said this while we were watching it. Jenny Callender is a teacher at this school. One of her students is in danger. One of her other students... She just stands there with her cross. One of the other students grabs the cross for her from her. It starts approaching. And she just stands there. And I'm like... I mean, I feel like if she does anything else, like, it would give away the element of surprise. That's fair. as we've learned about Jenny, she is, like, she is, like, being a teacher is not her first priority. I'm fair. Fair. Um, Sometimes I just question how the uh, faculty at the school uh, reacts to certain situations. But Angel goes, Angel runs away, but not before giving Buffy a mean kiss. (sighs) Oh, it's awful. Yeah. It is... Remember how oh, just a couple it. episodes we were like, look at that, like sucking that face off. Uh, it's so it's I mean it's I mean it's an assault. It, yeah, and now like 
And then they're back in the library discussing what do we do now? Yeah. They, like, they already off. had the judge to deal with, but now the viewer's realizing, oh, the judge isn't that important. Right. This is all to, like, communism is just a red herring. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, it's also nice. Willow's the one who picks up on what happened. Um, no one else realizes it but Willow. Um and um, we also have this um, Willa. Just, Willa's super fucking perceptive in the scene. Also, it's just like, how did you know? Like, you warned me to stay away from him. How do you know? And Jenny just says, she's like, oh, I saw his face. And everyone buys it because they have got no bigger reason. fish to fry. Yeah, they have no and, reason to distrust her now because, like, do they... Do they know that Ginny is the Romani? Not yet. Okay. It's 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 after Buffy's dream. Right. Yeah. Um, this is when Giles is like, well, something must have happened. Something must have been done to him to to make this happen to him. And that's when Buffy is like I think that's when Buffy kind of puts those pieces together. And, and Willow, Willow does, does as, well. as well. And um Oh, Don't you fucking thing. judge me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was actually, I'm almost done with my second cider, uh, so I was going to have a glass myself soon. <laughs> I'll leave this here I, then. Thank you. <laughs> well, I've got the stopper on, so I could probably just pour it. I was pouring a little more wine, and Harrison's just staring at me. He's like, Don't you fucking judge me. Oh my me. gosh. <laughs> I'm not judging you. Dude, I've got, some, I've got some horrible holiday shopping coming up. I so. texted my husband while we were in the middle of recording this to bring me another drink, so... We're nearly done with our holiday shopping. We've just got a couple more things to get. But, like, th- this episode's running really long, so we should probably... Yeah, we'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, then so... Buffy has her dream. Yes. Well, actually, before she has her dream, this is where Xander starts to pull his plan together. Ah, uh, yes. So... I forgot about that. He My has bad. a plan. He's like, I can't do anything about Angel. Um, but I like do, that he do you have an idea about the judge? I like that he acknowledges. He's like, I get that we have this problem and that's scary and fucked up. But he's like, we also have this problem. Mm-hmm. It's also scary and fucked up. And he's like, I can't do anything about that, but I got a plan about this. Yeah. Um, and he needs, Willow is ready to help. And then he's like, actually, I, I, need, I need Cordelia. Cordelia. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> he's like, but we need a car or we need, we, I think he says we need wheels. And Cordelia's like, well, my card. He's like, no, we need something bigger. And Willow goes, Oz has Oz. He has, he has a, a van. Dick. I mean, a van. <laughs> Susan, Oz has a van. And what I love about this, this moment, is the episode lets that linger. There is a good five seconds of silence where Willow and Xander are just staring at one another, <laughs> waiting for the other to break. And, um... It's Xander who breaks. Um, I feel like if we're going to have a chat alert, is this our chat alert? When he tells Cordelia that she needs to wear something trashy? Er. Yeah, that is, there There you go. You get one chat alert for Xander. She looked darling. She yeah, had a, like, a nice top with a, like a, her sweater tied over and a, and a plaid skirt. Yeah, I like honestly, if you, if, you think, if you think that's trashy, Xander, then... You just have a trashy mind. Like, You're trash. Yeah, there you go. There's the chat alert, everybody. <laughs> uh, 
Um, he also doesn't tell her what his plan is, which rude. But that's the um, the unspoken plan guarantee. Where if, as the audience, yeah, if, if you don't, don't hear if the you plan, don't hear the plan, that means it's probably gonna work. Yeah, but if we do hear it, something's gonna go wrong. Yeah. Um, that trope is in full effect right here. Yep. Um, Buffy goes home. Willow and Jenny both are like, she needs some rest. She needs a chance to get her shit together. She gets some rest. She has a dream Mm -hmm. where Angelus is standing in the sunlight. Well, before that, she has the sex dream. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Which, um... Joss Whedon described when in the commentary as Lynchian, which okay, I actually as I was watching and I was like actually yeah the yeah um, he also apparently after they filmed it he that was the first time he had ever in like his career filmed like a sex scene and so he was kind of uncomfortable and then afterwards he was too embarrassed to ask David Boreanaz and Sarah Michelle Gellar to provide the vocalizations when they had to go in and record those. Um, so it's him and someone else on the crew doing it. Because... It's 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 really funny how, like, we've gone from that and, like, now we have Game of Thrones and Watchmen and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, but yes, in the dream... Um, Oh, actually, before the dream, we kind of skipped this, is a brief scene where Buffy takes off the clatter ring that Angel gave her. And she looks at the uh, necklace that he gave her the in the very necklace. first episode. Yeah, and just she just collapses onto her bed crying. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that, like, that's how that stopper worked. <laughs> so, listeners, I uh, have taken the stopper off of my wine bottle that Jason was drinking... And I, I just poured some wine into my empty cider bottle. Only the best for us. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Um, so the, the big part of the dream has Angel at a graveyard standing over a grave. Uh, or Buffy standing over a grave. And Angel walks up to her. It's bright, bright daylight. And he says to her, you have to know where to look. And standing next to her is a veiled person who takes off the veil, and it's Jenny Calendar. Yana of the Calderash clan! That too. Um, so her, her, the next thing she does... Oh my god. And this, this scene, this has always struck me as one of the most unbelievable scenes in the show. It is, but at the same time, I would not give up this scene for anything it's oh no the intensity is amazing Buffy like is walking in on a mission walks into a filled classroom Mm -hmm. and not just of students but Giles is standing right next to Ginny Calendar walks right past Giles puts her hand on Ginny Calendar's throat and slams her onto the desk it's so fucking badass what the hell man and like a student's like should I get the principal like so props to that guy because everybody else is like (laughs) In shock, this guy is like, this is the guy you want in a disaster, and and and, and Giles is like, no, no, class dismissed. <laughs> also, the fucking the 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 moment Principal Snyder has been looking for to get yeah. her out of school, and Giles is like, don't get fucking Principal Snyder. <laughs> um, yeah, it's intense. Like it is the way it is filmed. It is so violent. Um. 
it's and scary and like and yeah we are we obviously Buffy and Jenny have this uh, you know they have a, a different connection than a normal student and teacher would have but it's she, not like a yeah. her and Giles connection yeah they're still student and teacher and she just attacked a teacher very forcefully in front of a large group of witnesses it's scary and this is um it just goes to show like Buffy is looking for answers mm-hmm. like all she has had is Angel like breaks her heart then she finds out he's in jealous now and uh yeah like she wants answers and this is like her first lead and she realizes that it's like somebody who has been in the know this whole time yeah she girl be pissed she is and it's so funny Giles takes Jenny's side at first and like yells at Buffy he says like you can't just like you can't blame everybody. And well, Jenny he's still not aware. Like he doesn't know what, but he doesn't know what Willow and Jenny right. knows. Right. Yeah. Men are so clueless. They. Girl, tell me about it. <laughs> um, but Jenny immediately comes clean. She's like, she. It's so. It's one. The way it's done is wonderful. She. The first thing she says is, "I didn't know what would happen," and the way. Giles, it's you've got them framed. You've got. Buffy on one side, Jenny on the other, and Giles kind of in the middle on on Jenny's side. And then when she says that, he he turns himself. Like and is on Buffy's side. Yeah. And it's and you know, Giles will always be on fucking Buffy's side because he is on Buffy's side. But it's very reminiscent of uh in Ted when like Joyce has every reason to be mad at Buffy, but like the, fir- the first thing that looks like she's in trouble with, like, the cops, she immediately, like, lies for Yeah. Him. And that's, like... So, like... And that's what a parent does for her. Mm-hmm. Giles is her dad. And this is... Yeah, like, Giles guys, is, Giles is her dad. Her best dad. Um, and it, this, you know, I would even go... This is, goes a little further, because in that instance, it was Joyce lying to the cops. Joyce is her mother. She was lying to strangers to protect her daughter. This goes a little even further. Giles is her dad, but also is not her dad. And is taking her side over the woman he loves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not not to diminish Joyce's love for her daughter, but it, I would argue that it's not shocking to me that Joyce would have made that choice. Yeah. It, it does shock me a little more that, you know, Giles has very personal connections to both parties. Um, and he is choosing Buffy. Because Giles... Giles will always choose Buffy. Anyway. Yeah. Um, even after she attacks a teacher. Um, I can't wait for like the season three episode where that becomes uh, the yes. most apparent. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, though, Jenny fills them in. Mm-hmm. She's a member of the clan that cursed Angel. Um, the Calderosh clan. clan. I know I'm doing a Scottish accent, people. I, it's, it's the only one I can do. Um, Buffy wants her to curse Angel again, but Jenny's basically just like, we don't even, we don't know how. That magic is lost. Um, so yeah, guys, the a- Angel will forever be Angelus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but she's like, we do, she's like, I do know someone who maybe can help us. Um, and this is done really well. We 
the cuts to Uncle Enyos in his motel room. Um, and someone comes in who we... The, the scene wants us to assume is Jenny, Giles, and Buffy. It's not. It's Angel <laughs> and Jealous. Um, and actually, apparently, there was a longer scene here that was scripted um, between Angelus and Anyos where he's torturing him. Um, but they, they cut it because... Basically, they just felt it was... They needed... They cut it for time, but also they just felt like it was more effective to have them just discover the body later. I agree. Like, yeah. it, like it, it's really funny how um, Angelus could easily be like an overblown drama queen, which he is sometimes, but also like the subtlety oh, yeah. is very good as well. So when, when they do come to find him, Angelus has murdered him. Um, and he writes uh, on the wall, in Enyos's blood, was it good for you? Was it good for you, you too? too. Mm. it's yeah it's dark it's fucked up it's yeah it's it's just it's just horrible guys Um, this is our big bad (laughs) yeah you thought that like spike and drusilla were the big bad y'all ain't seen nothing yet Um, Uh, but speaking of spike and drusilla like i believe our next scene is at the where is it the uh warehouse the factory or whatever because I feel like we we haven't been in a factory scene for a while. That's true. I'm just looking at the. Um, I don't have. I have us at the uh, the army. Oh, okay. Base next. All right. Yeah. Um, but we're close. Okay. Um, Giles does tell Buffy that Angelus is making it harder for her. Buffy argues that he's she's making it just easier. making it easier, which we see at the end of the episode isn't true. Yeah. But um, I mean, Buffy, she's gotta, she's gotta be strong. She is strong. Yeah, we love it's her. our girl. She's our girl. <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to take us off on another tangent, but I do. I get frustrated sometimes when people diss Buffy as a character. I've heard a lot of opinions from people sometimes that like they love Buffy, but they think Buffy's the worst character, and I. Are they not aware of Xander? <laughs> or did they somehow get their hands on the coveted Xanderless version? <laughs> or Riley? I Ugh. I just I can't get behind that. But Buffy has her moments where she is difficult to love sometimes. Um, but I think every character does. I I feel like this is one of the few shows where the main character that the audience is supposed to be relating to um is a very likable character she is very likable because i feel like at times they have to be so universal um and so surrogate of the audience Mm -hmm. that um sometimes that character can come off as like the weakest character at times like even just annoying ted from how i met your mother oh see i was gonna say shadow moon from american gods okay i as i love american gods um, and I am talking book, not TV show. I have yeah. other feelings on the TV show. Um, it's one of my favorite books. I No, it's a fantastic book. But I think as a protagonist, Shadow Moon is really bland. And, and I think deliberately so. I think he is purposely bland because he is entering this world of fantastical. Um, a I, lot of people are, say the same thing about like the Han Solo movie. Um, they say, that like, well... 
I mean, yeah, Han Solo is Han Solo, but he's also, like, one of the most boring characters. I don't agree, but I feel like this is an opinion, like, he's one of, like, the blandest characters yeah. in the Han Solo movie. I think people have that argument about Buffy. I think people yeah. argue Buffy is a boring character, and I, I, I refute that. I think Buffy is amazing, amazingly um, nuanced and, um, and layered and... Yeah, I'm pro Buffy, obviously, oh, yeah. but um, she's our girl. Yeah, obviously, you know, it's, I think it's easy to be like to latch onto a character like Willow or Cordelia, who are, you know, Willow is immediately endearing, and Cordelia is very funny, um, but I just look at the journey that Buffy goes on. Anyway, um, <laughs> I just I love her. I love our girl. Yeah. Um, so Willow and Oz drive Xander and Cordelia to the military base. Um, and I, I'm going to just kind of summarize what happens with Xander and Cordelia. We've talked about it already a little bit. He Xander reveals that he still has memories from when he was turned into a soldier on Halloween. He scams his way into the base using Cordelia as like the hot girl he's trying to impress. And they steal something. And they steal something. But the meat of this scene is in the van. Oh, damn. It's Y'all thought it was just so going to be bad for Willow? Good. Like, Oz once again proving that, what, that he's, he's better best. than Xander. He's better than Xander. So Oz says, just to start off this wonderful scene, he's like, so do you all steal weapons from the army a lot? <laughs> he's so nonchalant about it. He's like, no judgment he's like this is new to me i'm just curious and he said like, like you know the funny thing is like he's only been in like a few scenes of both of these episodes like this one and the last one but he count. has like been he's been a busy boy oh my gosh <laughs> and this is when um willow basically is just like hey do you want to make out with me which good for her i i that's I'm also proud like of her proactiveness. That's also like a thing that like you say in high school though. Like, hey, you want to make out, sweetheart? That's something I say at the bars today. <laughs> do, <laughs> do you know how frequently that works? You know what? I don't think I'm gonna try it. Okay. Because I, if I if I feel like if a guy goes up to a girl in a bar and says, "Hey, want to make out?" She'll mace the fuck out of him. Uh. And that would be fun to watch. Yeah. You want to see me get maced? I didn't say you. Just someone. Well, how many chads do we know? I have the perfect one. <laughs> I don't think you know who it is. You have to tell me about this after the podcast. It's the person I hate the most. Oh, okay. But that person wouldn't go up to a girl. I know. Anyway. Um, but yeah, he's a chad. So I still think we should put sugar in his gas tank. <laughs> Let's do it. We are not going to commit a crime. I would like to repeat, we are not going to commit a crime. Oh, shit, we may have incriminated ourselves. <laughs> um, so Willow says, want to make out? And, he and says Oz, no. Yeah, Oz says oh, no. Because he, so he has dream. he says that he has dreams of kissing her. Because um, he doesn't think about school. Because... That would never happen. That would never happen. Um, that would be weird. Uh, he says... Um, but he says, like, to the casual observer, one would think that you wanting to make out is just trying to make your friend Xander jealous. And he does not want that to be mm. why they make out. He's got her pegged. Like, 
Uh, Why can't all guys be like Oz? I should try to be more like Oz. Maybe then then girls would like me. Oh my gosh. No, (laughs) it is so... The fact that he, one, is observant and to see like oh yeah i see exactly what's going on i still like this girl but i'm he's not oblivious to this this situation that she's in and the fact that he's like no i i i do want to kiss you but i don't want to kiss you especially our first kiss to be um to be you settling a score getting even with some guy not gonna do it and he's like we are gonna kiss but also in the relationships that you've had how often is the first kiss a makeout session I would prefer not to answer that question okay fair enough because <laughs> for me I feel like usually a first kiss so this might be like the whole watching rom-coms or whatever but also from personal experience like usually the first kiss is kind of just like you know it's a kiss it's not like a let's suck your face off <laughs> guys the face that harrison is giving me right now i feel like i hit a source no <laughs> I'm, just, I'm having a flashback to um this guy i dated in high school well that's not like one who... guy i'm not saying like oh no no don't, don't worry i have other examples but <laughs> no this one is particularly bad because Man our, our first our I am married, sir. <laughs> um, our first kiss was like a full-on makeout, and then I found out like afterwards that that was his first kiss ever, and I felt kind of bad. I was like, oh, I would have been like, like I, I don't know. I like I would have I would have I, I don't know. I would I don't think I would have slipped tongue if I had known it. We can edit this part out if you no, want to. <laughs> I'm so, but uh, yeah, but like, no, Oz is a smooth operator. Yeah. Oh, he does it great. If we um, haven't said it before. Um, and it's funny because you can see Willow's respect for him. And like, also oh kind of like God. a little bit of like shame for herself. She's embarrassed. I, I definitely think she is embarrassed. But when he gets out of the car to help Xander and Cordelia after giving her that speech, just look in her eyes. You, you see she's like, Holy shit, what a man. Yeah. She she she's channeling her inner Drusilla. In and that she's kind of seeing that now, like I think it's probably like the one positive thing to come out of like her reaction with Xander. Like she's her interaction with Xander. She's total like, opposite in how yeah, and she's what like, Oz sees. And she's kind of like realizing because like when somebody's in your life that you have eyes for, you put your blinders up. Yeah. Um so Back at the warehouse, mm-hmm. um, Xander the judge and Xander, what the fuck, and Jealous the judge and Drusilla are ready to go. Ready to go. Um, they're leaving Spike behind um, because he is in a wheelchair, and Xander is really excited to uh, to to make fun of him for that. You mean Angelus? Because you just said Xander again. <laughs> That chat alert really threw you off, didn't it? <laughs> What's happening? What am I like? What subconscious thing is going on where I'm like, evil soulless monster Xander? <laughs> Jesus. Um, and you know, I do think we. I you know, I think earlier you were right. I think we did skip a uh, a warehouse scene because there is a scene in this episode where um, 
And oh, and Spike is to, like, you didn't kill her, though? Yeah, you were right. My apologies. That's right. good, sir. That's your one. One apology you ever get from me in our entire friendship forever. Guys, mark this date down. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, basically, though, now they, they're getting ready. Um, Angelus tells the judge that he looks spiffy. <laughs> and the judge just goes, Spiffy. And Drusilla's like, oh! <laughs> That's basically Drusilla for the whole fucking episode. This is Drusilla. Yeah. <laughs> and I fucking love Drusilla. She is bonker balls nuts. And Juliet Landau is the perfect combination of like, of menacing and nuts. Like, she managed... Actually, she does have a lot in common with Willow. She manages to get her eyes super wide, too. But when she does it, I'm like, no, please stay away from me. And when Willow does it, I'm like, oh, sweetheart, come here. I'll take it. Um, maybe it's the arms. It's that weird way she like lifts her yeah, eyes above she her twances. head. She like, oh. She's too busy twancing. I'm jealous. Remember when you killed my family? Do it again! Um, so... They get back to the library. Uh, Xander gives uh, Buffy a crash course on how to use her new present. Um, and then Ginny shows up. Oh. She wants to be of help. And Buffy says, Get out. Get out. And Not to be confused with the feature film, Get Out. Good film. Good film. Uh, and uh, she says, "Like I just want to help. And then Giles oh. says... Does it say you heard her get you out? You heard or... her get okay. out. Oh God, that that hurts. It is. You know, it's it was rough earlier, but it's rougher now. Yeah, and she does. She leaves. Yeah, um, but then like uh, as the judge and Angelus and Drizilla and crew are showing up at the mall, um, that is very much advertising Quest for Camelot, oh like God. super heavy right? advertising Quest for Camelot. So I feel like our next episode should be us watching Quest for Camelot. I've never seen Quest. For I've Camelot. never seen it either. I, I remember trailers. I remember trailers. <laughs> I remember the McDonald's toys. Oh yeah, but I never saw that movie. But I remember that fucking bird who was also an axe. Let's let's let. Can we make that like a special episode? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna okay. Um, we're yes handshake here listeners sometime in the near future you're getting a quest for Camelot episode <laughs> booze and Buffy special <laughs> uh, but um, um, at the same time you get a shot that is going to be used quite a bit in the opening credits I for the next couple seasons fucking love it <laughs> and it is the team they've got like this this box what's in the box it's who knows with a Paltrow's head <laughs> That's twice we've... That's two episodes in a row we've made that joke. Listen, anytime there's a box and I don't know what's in it, I'm going to say it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. And they're, like, marching out and, uh, back at the mall, the judge kills this one guy that looks remarkably like Ben Stein. <laughs> he does. Uh, and, uh, he's about to, like, just unleash his death rays on everybody, but then he gets shot with a crossbow bolt because it's a big episode... You gotta have that crossbow. Gotta have the crossbow. <laughs> but, uh... And he's, um, so he's flanked by... He's on this, like, balcony thing. And he's flanked by... Angel and Angel. And, um... 
It's just fucking great. This whole scene is amazing. And uh, and he's just he pulls out the crossbow bolt and he's like, "Huh, no weapon forge can uh, can kill me." And she's like, "That was then." And she gets a, a fucking, fucking rocket launcher. launcher. Holy shit! Which apparently originally uh, they wanted it to be a tank. <laughs> I'm actually glad they went with rocket launcher. Well, the rocket launcher... So the rocket launcher makes a surprising guest appearance (coughs) later in the series. And I hope I remember when we get to that episode just, like, how wonderful it is. But, yeah. And then she shoots a fucking rocket at the judge. And he goes... He goes... What's that do? And Drusilla and Spike or Drusilla and, Jealous, and Angel. God damn it! I'm having. A they immediately point. know. Like, let's get the fuck out. And as the judge explodes from this rocket impact, Angelus and Drusilla are like jumping off of this balcony. And props to Juliet Landau's stunt double because the jump that Angelus does is fine, but. Drusilla does a fucking like swine swan dive <laughs> off of that thing. Like, oh, it's so it's so badass. Oh yeah, no. like this is the episode where Buffy has a fucking rocket launcher, and I always kind of forget that because this is the episode where so much happens. And then but there's a rocket launcher. And gets out a rocket launcher, and I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> So on the commentary, Joss Whedon is he he's like at the beginning, he's like he's talking about like I want this show to be emotionally resonant. Like I th- what's really important to me in storytelling is the, the emotional resonance. I need for the audience to connect and empathize with my characters. And also there should be a rocket launcher. <laughs> and he and then he talks about he goes like Party of Five, for instance, is a wonderful show. <laughs> no rocket so launchers. Much, okay, it's like so much emotional resonance. Had me in tears all the time. I really think they missed out by not having a rocket launcher. <laughs> and you know, I honestly, frankly, I agree with that sentiment. I Guys, in all fairness, we have been through so much in this episode. We, we deserve, deserve a, a fucking rocket launcher. Rocket launcher. Like, I, I, no, I agree. It's like, it is, it's over the top. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, the, I, I have a clear memory sitting in my parents' basement watching this episode for the first time. I'm pretty sure in a beanbag chair. And Buffy pulls out the fucking rocket launcher and I was like, Yes! Because she deserves a win and she deserves to blow something up. The last time I... The last time I had a moment like that was probably like uh, when I was watching Avatar The Last Airbender for the first time. And uh, it's the very first time that Zuko redirects lightning that his father shoots at him. And I was like... That was like fist punch in the air like, Yes! That's it! You should watch Avatar The Last Airbender. I have to... I, I remember watching it when it was airing. I think I watched, like, the first season. The first season is, like, it's good, but it is weak compared yeah. to the second and third season. I definitely is one I want to... And I don't think I watched it consistently. So it's definitely a show I really want to go back and watch. Because based on what I know about it, it's something that would be right up my goddamn alley. Oh, it, it is great. But we'll, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> so... But, uh, we're not done with the action, guys, because we got the fight that you won. That actually matters. But yeah. first, the Scooby gang has to collect the pieces of the judge. <laughs> and Cordelia, pieces? We get the pieces? 
our job sucks. <laughs> so yeah, apparently Cordelia wants to like go after Angelus right? now. <laughs> um, but I do like that they they do acknowledge that they haven't actually killed the judge. They've just blown him up, and they do need to make sure they keep all of his pieces yep. separate, including when Oz is just yelling "arm, arm,", <laughs> arm. Um, or if he was uh, channeling his uh, inner Liz Floor. Uh, arm charms, <laughs> arm charms. There's a very specific joke that maybe ten people will get, <laughs> but um, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. This let's go go to the, the quest of Camelot. And Buffy's gonna kick some ass and balls. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, this is the fight that we've been waiting for, um, and it is a pretty good fight because like. Uh, the rocket launchers set off the sprinklers, so we get a rain battle inside. So, for two two straight episodes that is obsessed with it raining, <laughs> they continue it in this episode where they're like, sprinklers. But yeah, it is it is an awesome fight, and uh, like in the end, um, and not the last awesome fight between yeah. Buffy and Angel, Angelus, but... Uh, she pulls she, out her stake. She pulls out her stake, and she's about to she's about to go at him. But she then hesitates. she puts she she puts the stake down, and he says like, "You can't do it. You can't kill me." And then, making a blow for all women kind, oh. she goes up and kicks him square in the berry sack. Oh. <laughs> I was not prepared for you to say berry sack. I thought you were gonna say balls. I was so prepared for balls. I usually story have. of your life. <laughs> but I've rarely been prepared for a berry sack. I was oh. trying to remember what Ron Swanson said before the what Ron Swanson referred to it as before the end of my sentence, but I didn't get there. I think he said it's bean bags. bags. Yeah, no, like it's okay to hit a man in the bean bag, but all I got I got berry sack. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> This is the one where Jason says berry sack. Um, but yeah, and then Buffy's, she walks away. Before she walks away, she says, Give, give me time. time. Setting up the rest of the season's so arc. Good. And yeah. Yeah. We've got two more scenes in this episode, both of which I think are. I think the episode could have easily ended in this next scene with Giles. But I'm glad it doesn't. I'm yep. glad it ends with the scene with Joyce because, goddamn, that scene with Joyce is. Giles so is driving uh, Buffy home in his jalopy, and it's a Citroen, I think, is what okay. that type of car is. Um, but, but Buffy, yeah. yeah, Buffy is just she's got this guilt. She's still wrapped with guilt. Like this is my fault. Like I can't believe I, I can't believe this happened. But Giles, Giles says the exact thing that she needed to hear. Mm-hmm. It's like. Look, I mean, did you act rashly? Yes, you did. But there were times that, like, like I don't blame you. Like, yeah, I knew that you loved him and an angel when he had a soul. I genuinely loved you, and like that's what she needed. Yeah, I feel like after and she said, he says to me, "This is the yeah the line that really gets me." And it's what I was saying earlier that this is the episode where. It, um, I feel like it, it, the episode is saying this is not Buffy's fault. Buffy d- is not being punished for having sex. Like, she did not do this. Even though Buffy's having a hard time believing that. But um, he says... Basically, he, Giles recognizes that Buffy wants him to blame her. 
And he says, you're not going to get that from me, but you will get my, um, my respect. And, oh God, and he says something else, but he's my respect and my, um, and support. Probably. Um, and it's, it's stunning. It's a beautiful admission of love between two people in an episode full of admissions of love between people that are non-standard. I, I would argue the the only time anyone says I love you in this episode is the scene between Buffy and Angel, and it's ugly. But I would argue we see um, Cordelia and Xander telling each other they love each other without saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene we're seeing Giles telling Buffy he loves her. The next scene. The next scene with Joyce. The, um, the there's a lot of uh, Willow tells Xander. She loves him. Yeah. Uh, Oz tells Willow. There is a lot of love being spread in this episode without actually saying the word. And words. this is a huge thing because I feel like... Um, let's go ahead and call this a breakup. I feel like after a breakup, you think that, oh, the person that you cared about the most... Um, and this could be like not just a breakup, but like after any kind of traumatizing event, yeah. the person that like you felt you cared about you, someone. yeah, you lose somebody. You think that you're alone. You think that you have to do this alone and that it's your fault. Guys, all honesty, this is like serious. I'm not just talking about Buffy. Have your support group. Know that people are there for you. People care about you. And... Like, I know that's true. Even if I don't know you, I can already tell, like, people care about you because people deserve to be cared about. Yeah. And know who those people are in your life. Like, before you think about, like, oh, who's, like, who's, uh, who's, like, the person that I, who's the person that I, like, love and, like, want to marry or whatever. Um, like, yeah, no, like, that is, to me, that's not as important as mm-hmm. knowing the people who are there in your life. Yeah, through the bad times. It's easy for somebody to be there with you in the good times. It's not as easy to be there in the bad times, but you have people in your life that are there for you. Yeah. And always know that. That's what I love about Buffy so much. And I love a lot about Buffy, but I love that this is a show about a family. Yes. And it's not a conventional family. Um, and Joss Whedon chose, I, I say this all the time, I'm almost certain. Found this, family. Found family. Um, I think Firefly... And Angel are the biggest examples of that. But even Buffy and Dollhouse, I, I, I'm having deja vu. I know I've said this on the podcast before. You but, said in the last episode. Uh, oh, fuck. Um, but no, it's serious. Um, and this scene just cements that. Mm-hmm. You know, Giles isn't her dad. But you know, where the fuck is her dad? Nobody So, cares. yeah, you know, Giles isn't her father, but he's there for her. In the way that her father should be there for mm-hmm. her. And in the way, to transition us now, her mother is there for her. Even though her mother doesn't have the context. She doesn't know what's going on. She just... But again, at the beginning of the episode, she, th- she kind of knew. Yeah. She knew that something was up. She, and she asks... Um, and so she brings cupcakes out for... Yeah. For uh for her and Buffy. Buffy's has a candle on it. She's watching a movie that what what did we say it was called? It was called The Stowaway. Yeah. It's um a movie from nineteen thirty It's an old black and white uh um, looks like a musical sort yeah. of thing. Yes. Nineteen thirty six. It's called Stowaway. And the um the lyrics that we hear are Goodbye, my love. Mm-hmm. Which you know A little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, she brings her this Buffy cur- Buffy cupcake. <laughs> she brings Buffy a cupcake for her birthday. Thank you. And it has a candle on it. She lights the candle, and um, she says, "So, what did you do for your birthday?" And the I line got, that always sticks with me is, I got older. Yeah, when Buffy says that. I just got chills. I just got chills just like thinking about no, it. No, it's. And I got it's. Because she did. Yeah, no, and it's like the experience, like age is. Age is just a number, but it's your experiences yeah. that measure like how old you are. Think about how much Buffy experienced in the last two days. Yeah. It's. I mean, I can't even imagine. Her whole world has changed. And then... Like, and not just her world, like, the viewer's world. Because we, the viewers up to this point have been living in a world, have been, like, watching Mm -hmm. this world where Angel is part of the group. And that not anymore. He's the bad guy. And Giles even says, he says, the next few months, I suspect, will be hard on all of us. Mm -hmm. This isn't just going to affect Buffy, we're seeing. Um, This... You know, we've already seen this. Uh, this storyline has put Willow in danger. Willow in danger has has jeopardized Jenny and Giles's relationship. Mm-hmm. Has you know, yes, this is Buffy's story. We are watching a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are following her, but you know, these people in her life—they are just as important to her, and this is going to affect them too. And the fact that Giles sees that now is yeah. And uh, and then, like, the last lines are uh, Joyce saying, don't you want to blow out your candle and make a wish? And Buffy just looks in and she says, like, I'm just going to let it burn. And, and Joyce looks... I mean... Joyce looks worried. She's very... Uh, well, I mean, how could she not be worried? Yeah. And she, I think she handles that moment so well. She doesn't say anything. I, I, she recognizes that Buffy is in some sort of crisis, even though she doesn't know what. And she just holds her. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's like it, it, it's very much a way of, um, and again, like going back to re- the real world. Sometimes your friends go through tough, t- go through really tough moments, and uh, they don't want to talk to you. Um, and it may even be something that you can't understand. Yeah. Um, so I have found, uh, especially like in the last couple of years. That all you that all you can do if it's like a death in the family, if it's a breakup, like there are some things that they just don't want to talk about. So just all you can do is say, "Hey, I'm worried about you. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you when you're ready to talk." Yeah. Like, and if you don't want to talk, that's okay. But just know that I'm here. And that's Sometimes all you can that's be. All you can do. Yeah. All you can be is here. Wow, man. Well, we talked about innocence. We did. Uh, I'm glad we did. Um, so, is, is, I guess is there we brought up some of our personal stuff too. Did. So, is there anything about this episode that doesn't work for you? Is there any moment that you're like that? Like, I I really do think that like the weakest part of it, and I'm not even gonna say that like it's it's a, it doesn't work for me. But the weakest part is the judge. It's like, yeah. if anything, I feel like they're getting a little flippant with the use of the word apocalypse. <laughs> but um, the judge is meant to be like this big threat, but obviously it's meant to mask the actual big yeah. threat. But um, it does make the judge, like, the way he's so easily dispatched, it kind of makes it look like 
Well, that judge wasn't really like that yeah. important thing. Almost like Luke in the Welcome to Hellmouth. Poor Brian Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I agree. Actually, I would I would argue the same thing. Although, but again, like it's 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 used in a way to mask what is actually yeah. going to happen. I think while I agree that yeah, the judge is uh, not as intimidating or scary or threatening as he should be. I also am just like, well, you know. I don't really care. Like, the... It's no big loss. Yeah. The show clearly does not expect us... The show wants us invested in the Buffy Angela stuff. Yep. And the judge is there to confirm that Angel has no humanity. Um, and to like, kind of precipitate this change into Angelus. Yeah, but like, uh, yeah... Season two of Buffy is my favorite season, mm-hmm. and this episode is, apart from the season finale, the reason why. Like, this, this, and, I, and as I said during Surprise, this sets up the rest of the show, as you yeah. mentioned before. Like, there are ripples from this moment. This is, I think I made, like, the Harry Potter comparison in the last episode. Like, this is the... This is the Goblet of Fire moment where mm-hmm. Voldemort comes back and kills Cedric Diggory, kills an innocent. Yeah. Like, this is... Honestly, it's actually pretty similar. Like, Angelus comes back, tries to kill... An, try, he yeah. kills an innocent. He kills that poor girl huh. who's smoking. Uh, yeah. But he tries to kill Willow, who we actually care about. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, and this is... The show won't be the same after this. Yeah. And that is For the a better, good thing. Yeah. That is an absolutely good thing. Well, well, yeah, I agree. I just, I think this episode is really spectacular standout episode. Um, and I think, you know, this is the episode I've been so excited to get to because, yeah, I'm just... It's kind of like how, the, how like the Game of Thrones creators were talking about, like, hey, let's get to the Red Wedding. We want to get to the mm-hmm. Red Wedding. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is like, this could be considered the Red Wedding of the... Yeah, the Buffy verse. I think so. I definitely up there. Um, so I'm gonna give this episode five rocket launchers out of five. I'm gonna give this episode one broken heart because oh. my heart got broken so many times, but every single piece is still loving Buffy. Wonderful. All right. And anything else on your mind before we? Before we... Uh, no, this has been an extra long episode. Yeah, it's uh, not... But I think it's worth it. <laughs> I agree. I do want to say we didn't mention it, but um, the Angel Buffy theme plays in that scene in Angel's apartment. What's that called again? Close your eyes. You guys, that'll that'll mean a lot more to you guys uh, in a few weeks. Um, although I don't think it's called because I think it has different variations in different episodes. So I I, I think. The, the main theme is close your eyes. I'm seeing if it's listed as a, on the wiki under a different name. Yeah, it, it, the, the, the score like is listed as yesterday on Buffy, Spike My Boy, What's That Do, Get Out, and Moment of Happiness. So maybe that's Moment of Happiness? Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, um, are you ready to outro us? Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Phases. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at 
Harrison Alexander Kaufman, and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at YamiJ357, Y-A-M-I-J-A-Y-357. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy.com. We'd love to hear from you. You mean boozeandbuffy at gmail.com? What did I say? You said just boozeandbuffy.com. Booze. Boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube, where we will release a short video with each episode, where we'll discuss spoilers that we can't talk about on the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share, like, and subscribe, guys. Um, Use the link above, but we're not on YouTube. Uh, Each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting the American Association of People with Disabilities. Don't make fun of people in wheelchairs. Don't Don't be like Angelus. Don't be like Angelus. Don't murder sex workers. Don't make fun of people in wheelchairs. You're well on your way to not being like Angelus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, The American Association of People with Disabilities, a.k.a. the AAPD, is a convener, connector, and catalyst for change, increasing the political and economic power of people with disabilities. As a national cross-disability rights organization, AAPD advocates for full civil rights for over 60 million Americans with disabilities by promoting equal opportunity, economic power, independent living, and political participation. Visit www.aadp.com for more information. Rock on. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Boom.